got plenty of places to go. Lots of homes we ain't been to yet. On the west side, the southwest side, middle east, rich house, dog house, outhouse, old folks house, house for unwed mothers, halfway homes, catacombs, twilight zones. Looking for techniques, turntables to gramophones. So take a last lick of your ice cream cone and lock up what you still want to own. Robert Barry, and welcome to Retro Crush, the podcast, episode 124. You know, we have, we have not done a new episode since our infamous July 4th episode, but hey, what's a month between friends? You know why it's been a while? Because I was taking some time climbing up Salisbury Hill. Yep, folks, I climbed up there. And I could see uh, the city lights and this eagle, uh, he flew out of the night and, uh, wow, that stopped quick. And, uh, you know, he said, son, grab your things, I'm coming to take you home. Now, frankly, if a giant eagle tells you, uh, grab your things, I'm going to take you home, and you're on the top of Salisbury Hill, um, do like I do and run like crazy back home because that's scary as fuck. Let's face it, folks, that's, that's not normal. Not normal at all. But I'm glad to be back here with you instead of with that uh, crazy eagle atop Salisbury Hill. Uh, I got my acoustic guitar with me here today. I uh, I had it restrung. I, I did not know how to string a guitar, folks. That's not something they teach you on the street. Um, they might teach it to you on Guitar Street. But I happen to live on uh, Fag Avenue. And <laughs> that's, that's not part of the, the curriculum. But, uh, you know, I don't know how to play it yet, but uh, I've had this since I was a, a child. And, uh, you know, actually, I won this guitar from a poker game. Andy Gibb, uh, as a kid, played me in a game of poker. And I uh, I beat that guy. He had um, what they called the blood hand. And I had uh, the water hand, uh, the river, as they say in poker. And... Uh, Let's just say blood is thicker than water, but my hand was uh, mightier than the sword of Andy Gibb. And that's how I came to conquer uh, him. You know, we did a little shadow dancing together. And uh, let's just say 
Uh, it's just emotion. It's taking me over. And I know that's a BG song uh, per se, not Andy Gibbs himself. But uh, it's the principle of it all. The Victoria principle, as a matter of fact. She broke Andy Gibbs' heart. And uh, that's how he died. So good going there, Victoria. You robbed us of the world's greatest musician for your petty little uh, needs. You know, whatever happened to Victoria Principal after that, huh? Not much, I tell you. Well, listen, I've had a fantastic month. The life of Retro Crush here, it's been going pretty good. Um, went to the San Diego Comic Book Convention with my good buddy Bradley Mason Hamlin. And uh, we had a good time. I was not there long enough, but I did run into some Retro Crush fans there. Nothing more flattering. Um, they didn't know they were Retro Crush fans until I ran into them. But after uh, I gave them a few bucks and, and they said they'd check out my site, uh, I think I, I made a few friends there. <laughs> but seriously, folks, no, I, I got to meet uh, Renee. Is her name? From West Virginia. And she's been a... Uh, Sending me some nice emails, and, and, and we're sending her a T-shirt, by the way. If you ever run into me on the street, you're going to get a T-shirt. That's how it goes in the world of Retro Crush. And uh, I, I ran into Calvin Wong, who I've I've been emailing him for years, and he's designed all of our great uh, T-shirts and, and our new business card. I'd be happy to send you one if you like. It's pretty, pretty hot looking. And uh, just just ran into him right there at the convention. Uh, so that was kind of fun. I met Tura Satana from uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Met my good buddy Jotty Ryan again. Uh, Ray Harryhausen. And, and you know what's cool about Ray Harryhausen? Is he is actually a stop motion puppet himself. He moves really freakily. Uh, I, I met Ray Bradbury. And uh, he may be wheelchair bound, but he sure had some great stories to tell. He had a fun story about meeting Walt Disney uh, back in the day. And um, Walt Disney uh, knew who he was, and he knew who Walt Disney was. They met at like some shopping center together in L.A. And uh, Walt had him over for lunch, and uh, he said, well, "What can I do for you, Ray Bradbury?" And uh, Walt Disney uh, asked him this, and, and Ray said, "Hey, let me go in your vault." And he let him uh, go to the vault, and, and Ray Bradbury's telling everybody at the convention about how he got to walk out with this. Uh, giant armfuls of, of animation cells, including stuff from Snow White, which he still has to this day. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, you can only imagine how much that stuff's worth now. It's got to be hundreds of thousands of dollars, I, w- I would bet. And, uh, you know, just had a good time. You know, I think next year I'm going to do the San Diego Comic Convention right. I was only there for two days just kind of as a guest, but we're going to do a Retro Crush special. Uh, we're going to probably have a panel there. Uh, maybe team up with a couple other folks to do that. And um, I, we're going to have an official Retro Crush party. So mark your calendars, folks, July 24th, 5th, 6th, and 7th of 2008. We're going to have Retro Crush Convention in San Diego. So uh, we'll, we'll be planning that extensively. We're going to have some special guests, too. Uh, we just wrapped up the Trashville Morgy here in Sacramento. Six weeks of some great midnight movies. Uh, thanks to those of you who came up and said hi and uh, we're a part of that there. We showed Foxy Brown, the 1966 Batman, Piranha, um, and some other just great movies there. Just a good, fun time. The, the, the funnest night was when we showed Death Race 2000. But uh, we had our, our Trash Till Dawn, which is starts at midnight and it ends at about 5.30, uh, just as last week. And boy, am I a wreck. I had this uh, Captain Morgan spiced rum. And let's just say uh, the captain's kind of a bastard. He, uh, he got the best of me. I only had a few sips of it, but I didn't eat much dinner. 
and uh, I got kind of queasy. And you know when you're not really drunk, but you're starting to feel kind of dizzy? So, like, you feel like you just have to make yourself throw up to avoid the hell that awaits you the rest of the night? So I was doing that. And, uh, you know, I'm dressed up as the devil. I, I, what I do is I shave my head and paint it. If you go to my MySpace page, you can see some pictures of, of this costume that I put together from time to time. looks pretty good, I must say. But uh, you know, I shave my head, paint it entirely red, have these horns on. And I'm puking in this bathroom uh, at the Crest Theater in Sacramento. And it's like uh, this bathroom in a dressing room where all, uh, all like the people you – know, I mean, I'm puking in the same bathroom that like you know, Leon Redbone would, would be taking a crap in. So that's kind of an honor. Uh, in fact, he uh, left a nugget behind that's still there to this day. But uh, as I'm throwing up, I, I look in the mirror and my face is like streaked with sweat – and uh, finger marks with this, like, you know, red makeup all messed up. And I, th- I looked like hell. It looked like, you know, the devil on cold turkey. And I was supposed to go on stage and give away some prizes. And I, I went to Christy uh, Savage, who runs this. And I said, oh, Christy, man, I can't go on stage. And there was another guy there named Bill, uh, another good TFO performer, Trash Foam Orgy. And uh, he took my place. He was also dressed as the devil. So it was kind of funny. It was like he was doing an, uh, an impersonation of me. So, kind of shameful. Couldn't do my job on stage there because of uh, Captain Morgan there. But but later that night, uh, they had done this the week before. I was not there, but it was drunken sumo wrestling in the basement. of, uh, And it was it was a lot of fun. And um, needless to say, I kicked the ass of three different guys. Um, you know, being overweight uh, does have its advantages when you are wrestling people. Cause, uh, but there's this one guy there named Josh. He's a little bit big, and I didn't get a chance to wrestle him yet, luckily, because, wow, he would have uh, totally kicked my ass. But I guess I'm talking too much about the drunken sumo wrestling. That's the, that's the second rule of, of drunken sumo wrestling club. The first rule, uh, don't do it while you're drunk, because you'll bash up your knees really bad, and the alcohol will kill the pain, and you won't feel it till the next day. Well, listen... To reward you guys for your weight, I have a very fun interview uh, for you. Uh, At the uh, San Diego convention, I got to interview Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett. Uh, If those names don't sound familiar, maybe the names Crow and Robot sound a little more familiar for you. Yes, if you're a big fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000... Uh, you know those great characters. Uh, they accompanied uh, Mike Nelson and uh, formerly Joel Hodgson on, on a great Mystery Science Theater show where they'd make fun of uh, crappy movies uh, with a running commentary there. Well, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is gone. You know, it's, it's served its time. And uh, Mike Nelson at one point uh, with these guys, it still is doing uh, a program called Rift Tracks. If you go to riftrax.com, uh, and really like the the mystery science stuff. You can check uh, uh, what they're doing is uh, commentaries for movies that there's no way they'd be able to actually uh, buy the rights to do. So instead, they have uh, an audio track of their commentary that you can uh, pay a very small fee, just a few bucks, to download and then play it while you're watching a movie like 300 or or uh, many other popular films, or even just uh, films that were cult classics that they never got a chance to do on Comedy uh, Central there. But they but they teamed up with the fine folks at Shout Factory, uh, shoutfactory.com, by the way, and uh, they, they have a new whole thing called The Film Crew. 
So this is Mike Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and, and Bill Corbett. As it says here, they're back doing what they do best, giving overlooked B-movies their own commentary tracks. And uh, uh, they already released one called Hollywood After Dark, which is Rue McClanahan is an out-of-work actress who uh, has to resort to the seedy underworld of stripping to earn a buck. And if you're like me, you've been waiting for years to see Rue McClanahan in a movie stripping. Now, this is a, a film that uh, was actually filmed in 1962. So we're talking vintage Rue McClanahan titty here. Uh, and, and frankly, it doesn't look any better than you think it would look if she uh, showed it off on the Golden Girls, for that matter. Uh, and they've got three other movies coming out uh, for the remainder of the year. Uh, August 7th, which is uh, the day I'm recording this here today. Uh, they got Killers from Space on September 11th. Never forget that date. Wild Women of Wongo. And on October 9th, The Giant of Marathon, uh, a Steve Reeves movie. You might remember him as uh, Hercules from back in the day. So uh, a lot of great stuff. Fun to see. And trust me, folks, it's worth buying these videos. Please go buy them. Uh, and support this great art of making fun of movies. These guys are the best at what they do. And I had the opportunity to um, meet Mike Nelson there, uh, and I got to actually go to the Horton Grand Hotel just a few blocks from the convention center and sit down with uh, Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett and, and talk to them. Uh, a little bit about Mystery Science Theater and a lot of bit about the new uh, stuff they're doing here with the film crew. And it was really fun. I just got to sit... Uh, in a hotel room with them. Uh, we had a little bit of champagne, and, and frankly, uh, things got a little romantic. Uh, I did stop the recorder before that. One thing I'd like to apologize for, I have now, I got a new uh, pocket PC with a digital recorder built into it. Really happy about it, by the way. And um, it's a uh, Dell Axum X30. It's used, but, you know, I'm not going to pay full price for, for stuff like that. That's not how I roll here. But uh, the recorder uh, was a, uh, for some reason, I had it set so that it was only doing 10 minutes at a time um, because it was maxing out the internal memory. But I've since, since found a way to bypass that, not to get into all the technical details, but unfortunately, uh, there's about a uh, one and a half, half minute gap at the uh, in the middle of the interview that I had to trim out because uh, some of it didn't get recorded and uh, part of the ending's not as... Uh, gracefully ended as I as I would have hoped for because that part stopped as well. But what you are going to hear right now is is about ninety five percent of that interview. So without further ado, I will play the interview for you, and then we'll be back with some more exciting, exciting retro crush podcast action for you, folks. So you're gonna you hear a little bit of a microphone adjusting here, and uh, for about the next twenty minutes, please enjoy. Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett of Mystery Science Theater and now the film crew fame. Actually, this is a pretty good quality. So, well, if you need to come closer, I, yeah, I think I'll just put this over here. All okay, right. it should pick you up just fine. Phone well, uh, Talk into the bed, please. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. All right. Come at us All right, so we're here at the San Diego Comic Con. That's right. Kevin and Bill from the <coughs> film crew. So, um, how are you enjoying the convention so far? Have you been here? What day did you arrive? 
We got here Thursday, actually. Although we didn't really have many official duties till yesterday. Uh -huh. uh, we, we're here for the long haul. We, yeah, we popped in on Thursday, and it was already a madhouse. I can't imagine what it's like today with, what, 150,000 people? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I <laughs> first year they were sold out completely, too. It's like Woodstock for geeks. <laughs> <laughs> so how so uh, how did you guys stumble across Hollywood After Dark? Uh, <laughs> how did this movie get rescued from the vault of despair and, and put it, out with the film crew. It was pretty yeah. lucky, actually. I mean, yeah. we were trolling uh, public domain films, which we needed to use for this first round of, of film crew, and we came across it, and we couldn't believe our luck. Rue McClanahan stripping, and no one was claiming this film. We, <laughs> deep, we deeply mined the catalog of Sinister Cinema, which is a wonderful resource for such things. <coughs> and, uh, and they happen to have actually one of the few decent prints available of Hollywood After Dark, and... Uh, actually struck us a new print off of what they had <laughs> and uh, it wasn't much to you know it wasn't much to the print you know the film came out in 62 but wasn't or it was shot in 62 but I don't think it was released until 68 wow and at yeah. one point it was called walk the angry beach <laughs> wow. Yeah, and the like a euphemism for something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna walk the angry beach tonight. <laughs> the beach was never that angry. As no, the beach, beach was fine. It was downright friendly as well yeah, compared yeah. to the strip club. So I didn't get that. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the public domain films. I mean, how does a movie become public domain? Is it just sloppy registration before the seventies? Well, something? they used to call them orphan films a lot. It was just a uh -huh. film that nobody um, thought of owning or licensing and whoever did at the time never renewed the copyright and they're they're, they're becoming fewer and fewer of these right yeah yeah so you actually have to pay uh, lawyers a lot of money to research it and find out what's actually gonna yeah because you don't want to find out after the dvd's press yeah that, uh, you actually yeah. gotta pay royalty that would be awful <laughs> so how does a uh, speaking of uh room mcclanahan stripping how does that rank as far as uh the scariest movie scenes you've ever uh, <laughs> encountered in a film before. It's right up there, I'd say. It's chilling because she she actually looks she looks kind of you know more golden girl than you would think for a twenty something yeah. <laughs> Rue, um, and she really doesn't look like she's having fun either. I, I imagine this was not you know something she enjoyed doing. Yeah, at one point during the film, she's sort of weeping while she's stripping. Yeah, and, uh, which I think yeah. Is a it's a dramatic plot point, on, but I, I don't think they had to prod her far to get those tears <laughs> out of her. <laughs> and she's stripping, but she wears this little capelet at times. Yeah. She's got this bright of Frankenstein hair, so it's, uh, I'm sure it's a, a little embarrassing. It's amazing how, I mean, you think, oh, as uh, Blanche and the Golden Girls, she was pretty slutty on that show, behavior-wise. So you think, well, here's, here's Rue in her prime unchained, but as you said, it's, yeah. it's not that much of a treat to see no. either, either no. way there. Rue unchained. <laughs> <laughs> it helps to have the uh, the Roger Daltrey hair. No, no. <laughs> not sexy. Now, have you ever received any anger or bad feedback from anyone in the movies that you've made fun of in all these years of for, for mystery science and right, combined yeah. with this? Or well, there was, yeah, there was that legend when we were at MST that uh, Joe Don Baker had seen our work and uh, threatened to kick our asses. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's hard to substantiate that, and, and he's never come after us. So. Uh, God only knows. Yeah, probably would be hard to outrun him. <laughs> I think if you threw like a, a meatball sub in one direction and bolted the other, you could probably get away. <laughs> there's another reason to hate us. I <laughs> <laughs> also heard. I, I remember hearing that Timothy Van Patten had seen what we did, and uh, he was on that uh, Master Ninja show with um, uh, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, and we heard he wasn't too happy that we made fun of his voice because. The guy couldn't articulate to save his <laughs> life. 
Well, you know, and, and really most, most people either ignore it or are very generous. I, I'll bet a whole bunch of them never knew about it, <laughs> frankly. True, but, yeah, um, yeah I, and I think we were pretty well protected from it by our, you know, our crack staff at Best Brains. Right. We didn't want to traumatize us yeah. <laughs> when we got death threats. Now, do you ever, like, have comments that you make where you just kind of do a double take, you know, I, that kind of went too far and you kind of just can't use it or just... I mean, I've felt like, that yeah. at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like, well, it's, that's not funny enough. That's more just pure mean. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the nice thing about the writing process is that you can, while you're watching the movie the first time, you can hurl all the invective you want at the screen, and then when it comes time to edit it, you actually put the governors on, and, uh, and so nothing too devastating ever comes out. And I think we try for the most part not to do too many personal insults at, right, at yeah. an individual, maybe the character, but not the individual. Right. Although we just did call Matt Damon the squarest head in show business. Oh, <laughs> it is. It's simply a cube sitting on top of a neck. It's amazing. Yeah. So Roo's head is pretty oblong as well, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> now, but how many times do you, do you see a movie in the process of from start to finish before you get the final thing done? I mean, well, for MST, it used to be quite a few times through, uh, quite a few levels of review, but we're working a little more stripped down and more efficiently now, I think. Uh -huh. uh, because it's just Mike and Kevin and I are doing the writing. Right. Um, and there were advantages, certainly, to having a bigger s writing staff, but probably got a little lumbering as well. So we do it fewer times through more, and we actually have more of a shorthand now. You know, we kind more of streamlined approach. Yeah, yeah and we, buy, you know, we sort of share each other's sensibility, for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the most difficult part, of course, is that it's, it's not the number of times you watch it, it's how intensely you watch it. Because right. you'll spend, I'll spend a day looking at 15 minutes of a film just trying to write stuff for it. and it's a, So it's an intense watching of that, a very close study of the text for, for 15 minutes in order to get so many jokes out of it. So it's a grueling process. Right. We, uh, yeah, at MST, we used to have the whole writing staff in the room, and we'd watch it on the big screen. and. Everyone would just get, you know, we'd get group Tourette syndrome and just blurt out whatever. On top of each other. And the yeah, whole and then someone would have a remote and, you know, and, and uh, be stopping it and someone would be typing it. But then when we get to the to the actual writing, like writing the move, the script mm -hmm. for the show, we discover that's like a quarter of a second space there. We can't fit any of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, we're working more efficiently now because we don't write yeah. for, you know, areas we can't use. <laughs> Now, now in Hollywood After Dark, there's uh, a lot of silence with no dialogue. Just you know, some very elaborate setup chase and, and, and theft scenes and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you find that? More? I even I think you may make a crack about it in the film about how there is like six minutes straight of no dialogue. Or, right, but I mean, is, is that more challenging or or maybe yes. is, is it easier <laughs> because you don't have to compete with the dialogue in the film? It's 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 definitely more challenging at times. I mean, some of that's nice. Right. Um, but particularly for action scenes, it just gets how many different jokes can you make about people running from fireballs? You know? right. <laughs> that sort of thing. So, and dialogue, especially when it's awkwardly spaced, you know, long gaps between lines, um, there's sort of the setups for our jokes. So these people actually set up the jokes and then hopefully we have space to deliver the punchline. Sort of like the, your pre taped straight men for the, the film. Is how yeah, the film is very how nice of them. <laughs> Although there are times when it's just you know chatter, a scene that chatters on for four minutes with n you know where they're where they're not leave, leaving any space, and that that has its own challenges because we don't if we can we like to not talk over the dialogue, but sometimes that's impossible. 
So how how is the process? I mean, you, you talked about a little more streamlined uh, with not as many people involved. Um, is that probably like the main benefit of doing this under the the film crew banner as opposed to the MST? I mean, are, is is that well, so, so you have more freedom with, with this bunch now in Shout Factory doing these than you had with Comedy Central? Well, since uh, we uh, don't have as many people, um, we have to depend on each other a little bit more. So it may be a little bit more freedom, but it's also, there's more responsibility on each one of us to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Which I hate. I hate responsibility. <laughs> I hate delivering. <laughs> we're, we're all up to the task. I mean, we've done this enough, I think. Uh, it's almost reflexive now to sit down and start writing to a movie, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, as far as a little bit more liberated, I mean, um, particular. I think we sort of write to the material. I mean, we may have been a little... Yeah. People have been saying that we were racier on these film crew uh, DVDs, particularly since they saw Hollywood After Dark as the first release. Sure, sure. And I think we just sort of fit the material. I don't think this is one that you know people are going to share with their kids too much. Not you know like the nine-year-olds. I hope not. What's the weirdest thing a fan at a convention ever did when you met them? Billy, <laughs> <laughs> you got one? Wow. Uh, I'd have to think about that. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean. The weirdest thing that happens to me, we were at Dragon Con in Atlanta, which is a pretty big convention. Yeah, it's one of the big ones, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, they don't have it at a convention center. They actually have it in the hotel. And uh, one thing I've learned is, as a uh, performer who's there as a guest, uh, not to stay at the same hotel that all the conventioneers are staying at, (laughs) because the elevators take forever, and they put you on the 35th floor. So I I was on the elevator and going to just about every floor to get up to floor 35 at the, I think it was the Hilton. And people are getting on and off, and this one kid, God bless him, you know, he's sort of sweaty from being on the convention floor all the whole time. He's wearing a cape, and he's got his little bag, and he got on the elevator and tripped, and it fell right into me, and his cape had wrapped around his arms, so his arms didn't work. So he was just leaning against me. I had this clammy, you know, fanboy sweat all over me. I trying to, I had to actually take him and push him off of me and back onto his feet. So, I mean, that was the weirdest thing that was inflicted on me by a fan. <laughs> I think the weirdest thing uh, was a request actually from conventioneers that that I take part. Well, Kevin and I both take part in a in a random shock puppet show for kids. <laughs> like, and if you just I have no subject matter or anything to throw a sock on my hand and let it rip. Did you do it? No. I can beg off gracefully. I don't want to traumatize any little kids. I I don't trust myself. (laughs) At our own convention, we did have a woman come up who was dressed in... I don't know if it was our own convention. The woman was dressed in sort of a bikini with a cape, you know. Uh It's always a cape involved for some reason. And she asked us to sign her belly, and she actually tried to lay on the autograph table <laughs> for us to sign her belly. And, and we, we didn't want her to lay on the autograph table because, you know, we had our mints and our drinks there. She had a back full of mints when she gets up. Yeah. And I have, you know, girly back sweat on our autograph table. <laughs> you can't do Purell all over the autograph table. <laughs> this doesn't work that way. Yeah, and it's never the girl that you want to have laying on your table that offers to you. No, 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 that's true. The one that's got the... It isn't Jessica Alba, I'll tell you that. The one in the slave layer outfit that's two sizes too small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta be. Uh, what can you tell me about Killers from Space? That's the next release, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what month? When do we expect this? Really soon, like days. Okay. Yeah. Or next week. I yeah, think. I think it's, yeah, I think it's next week. 
It's early this July. Is, this is the one that early people August. might remember as the having the aliens with the crazy plastic bug eyes. A ping pong ball, and they yeah. were truly ping pong balls cut in half. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they used to do. You there. can see the guys struggling to keep them in, you know, yeah. in the movie. And everything's big and square, and we take advantage of that. The men are big, chunky men in boxy suits, and they drive in titanic automobiles, and uh, and they uh, the we took advantage of the fact that the director does these massive, meaty close-ups of these faces with absolutely no expression on them whatsoever. Yes, suddenly. The they could be really animated in the shot, and then the close-up is just like... <laughs> so you can tell they either shot the close-ups on a different day or just trying to get them done. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so it's a lot of, of beefy, boxy men from the 50s. and uh, They're square, meaty, beefy suits. And a nice-looking young Peter Graves, you know, exceptionally tall. <coughs> and he plays kind of a knob in this, which is sort yeah. of against type for him to play a knob. Well, he's a nuclear, you know, he's like a genius nuclear scientist, but he's a complete dipshit. I mean, <laughs> he just <laughs> can't find his ass with two hands. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want him in charge of nukes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about Wild Women of Wongo? That's another episode. That's fun. I really, I, yeah. everybody has their favorites. I think that might be mine, just because it's so um, phenomenally stupid. It's this garishly colored thing, and I don't know who the hell produced it, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it's sort of a caveman sex comedy. You know, uh, there's one island that's filled with um, you know, handsome swarthy men and ugly women and the other part of the island that's filled with um, you know, handsome, swarthy, or beautiful women and ugly men. And so, of course, the two have to meet and eventually... Sure. Everybody know. finds their proper... It's a tale of all this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a spoiler, though. You, know, you should have a spoiler alert for Please that. Please don't publish that. And what do you say about it? It's like I said, hey, if you find Betty Rubble sexy, man, this is the movie for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Rosie O'Donnell, Betty Rubble, or the cartoon oh, no, 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 Betty Rubble? No, no, the cartoon. Rosie O'Donnell, Betty Rubble is more like the, you know, the non-attractive. Yeah. Yeah. She's on that other island. If you yeah. find Rosie O'Donnell, Betty Rubble, uh, you know, sexy, then you're probably gay. Then you're, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. And they have a very Lane dressed up as Betty Rubble. <laughs> <at that point. laughs> right. yeah. They have a very annoying carrot there who uh, provides sort of a Greek chorus. Yeah. Oh, he's sort of the the bard of the story. Yeah, he is. And wow. there's a, um, uh, <laughs> and there's a, like this witch priestess woman who has a, a puppet lizard that she <laughs> carries around, supposed to, and she pets her puppet lizard, and she looks exactly like Paul Stanley from Kiss. With wow, that makeup on. that's <laughs> great. That sounds like some good commentary yeah, potential. Look at the likeness there. See her there? Yeah, she's, she's awesome. singing, Shout it, shout it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the, the last batch of the four you got coming out this year is uh, The Giant of Marathon. Yeah. And uh, what, what can you tell me about that one there? That's Steve Reeves, uh, the classic... Hercules. Hercules right. guy, yeah. And he plays the uh, the guy who uh, I think it's a myth may not be Pheidippides or Philippides, depending on what point in the movie somebody says his name. There are change-ups in the movie. Um, he's the guy who ran, you know, the original marathon oh, the, the origi- to, to, let, to get the Athenian soldiers or the Spartan soldiers. Right, but yeah. it's sort of a prequel to 300, though. Yeah. Wow. That's how weird. Yeah. If you like 300... You should market it that way on the DVD box. You'll love the Giant of Marathon. <laughs> There's a, they're a little less cut, except for Steve. Steve's the only one who cut, who's cut, and then the rest of them sort of have, you know, Euro bellies. And, yeah, you know. but they all wear diapers. They wear diapers. At yeah. one point, all the men are wearing diapers. Yeah. Wow, that sounds yeah. like my kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
times a, a day when you're at a convention do people ask you what's what's going on with Joel? <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent way to put it. Instead of asking me what's going on with Joel, that's very nice. Um, it, I think it happens at least a couple of times in every autograph session yeah. that somebody asks. So if you, you do you hear from Joel very often? What did you do with Joel? That's the way we put it. <laughs> People think we killed him and stuffed him in a box somewhere, but uh, he killed himself and stuffed himself <laughs> in a box. Wow, that's pretty <laughs> No, he's. Uh, I didn't know Joel very well because we didn't have much overlapping time. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I think he works for the Discovery Channel now. Didn't he have a, a show there? Yeah. He he does stuff with his brother Jim. Mm -hmm. You know that. A lot of visual stuff, mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and you know it's fine. You know, people are fans of the the whole show from the you know, from the start to the finish. Thanks to the DVDs, sure, you know sure. the new generation that's watching it really doesn't doesn't have that history that the uh, that cutover yeah, feeling. Yeah, caused the uh, famous flame wars apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so has there ever been a you've been approached outright by a, a producer or creator of a of a movie and said, hey, could you give my uh, movie to film crew treatment because I'd sure love to see you work your magic with it there. Well, film crew is kind of new, so we may yet yeah. get that. But what, um, Time Chasers was the one. Yeah. I believe. The director um, or producer approached us and said, we'd love you to do our movie. And it you know, was this low budget thing shot in Vermont. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if they were happy with the result or not. I remember that uh, the story is that um, they got a bunch of people together who were working on the film in Rutland, West Rutland, Vermont. And, uh, um, the last thing that happens in the credits is that Servo yells out, go to hell, citizens and officials of West Rutland, Vermont. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> thanked in the credits. Right. I think you actually say it about 18 times. Yeah. <laughs> so, I hate the citizens and officials of Rutland, Vermont. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, and one of the guys who was in that movie wanted to come on the show. Yeah. We, just, we had already written it. Yeah. Back to um, Hollywood After Dark a bit. What, what other member of the Golden Girls would you like to see strip in a, a film? None. <laughs> Absolutely. Not even B. Arthur. Come on. Not a one. I want <laughs> their mom. Who is the the uh, the really or, old Estelle lady? Getty? Estelle, Estelle Getty. Getty. No, yeah. I'd rather see Bill Macy strip. I think. Who <laughs> would? No, right. <laughs> um, do you have an all-time favorite B movie actor? Oh, you know. I put Eric Roberts on that list now. You know, that skull-like, taut, skull-like thing. Ah, and that's where we lost the interview, folks. I'm so sorry I couldn't get the last couple minutes there. But, uh, you know, basically just uh, thanked him for their time, and it was just a really good fun time. It was so fun to have a nice in-person interview like that. Um, I will commit to trying to get a better microphone and, uh, and getting some even better sound quality. I know it kind of went off the, the register a few times there, but I'm still learning at this thing, folks. I'm trying to make it better for you and me. You know, uh, one of my favorite things uh, at the convention, I was, I was walking down the street in San Diego, right? And I see this guy dressed up in a pink stormtrooper outfit. And he starts unbuttoning, like, this buckle on his pants. And <laughs> you would not believe... Wait a minute. Did you guys hear that? I can't believe it's happening again. It's time for Retro Crush Boys. It's been a long time since we've done it, but there's lots of voicemail today, so let's read them and heed my warnings. 
I don't know why I'm saying these words. Maybe it's the red wine that's talking. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm having some uh, Belvedere Merlot. Not bad stuff. I have to say I was getting kind of uh, used to this two-buck chuck stuff from Trader Joe's, and then I actually tried some wines uh, that were a little better, and, and I realized, yeah, it's not so great. But, uh, yeah, you can always call the Retro Crush hotline, 916-231-9480, anytime, day or night. But I do want to remind you folks that I have... A very good interview lined up, hopefully. The Bengals. Yep, the, the Bengals are promoting a new DVD, and uh, and uh, they put those folks out there to, to help uh, promote. The, the, I'm going to get to interview the Bengals, folks, on the phone. And I'm going to ask them one and for all. They were walking down the street late at night and ran into the Go-Go's in a dark alley. Who would win? So we'll find out from the Bengals themselves if they could, they could take out uh, Belinda Carlisle and Jane Weedland. Or not, but uh, let, let's uh, let's play some of the the voicemails we have received. Hey, Robert Pike again. Um, I had a couple of drinks with dinner, and in between my first and second drink, my ears were a little numb, and for some reason, I remember had a childhood memory of going to the racetrack with my very religious Mormon mother. I was probably seven or eight years old, and I have no idea why we went to the racetrack on a weekday, but um, I just thought I'd share that with you in the Retro Nation, and uh, I'm at a parking lot waiting for somebody right now. Is there anything funnier than seeing someone with a brand new car with the dealer plates on it, and like the whole front end smashed? It's like, what the fuck were you thinking kind of thing? I don't know. It's, it's kind of tragic. But it's funny at the same time. Keep up the podcast. I recommend what you know. Fuck all these people that are complaining all the time. And then how about the people who are like, well, at least there's one a month. You should like, you know, just mess with those people too and do one every six weeks, and then do like four in a row. Boom, 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 boom. Or at least four in one day. Wow. Okay. Keep up the good work, man. Bye. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was a pretty riveting story. I'm glad you shared it with me. Uh, by that time, you went to the racetracks with your mom, and nothing happened. And she was Mormon. I guess that was the kicker there. But uh, I'm glad you had a couple drinks and went to go pick up your friend <laughs> at the parking lot. <laughs> and uh, but no, you know, hey, you know, I would rather have people complain that I'm not doing enough podcasts than people saying stop doing them. Um, haven't had that one yet. Actually, I had one of them. That was um, my wife because uh, I hadn't seen her for three weeks straight because I was trying to get the introduction of my podcast done down properly. But, uh, you know, I I wrote a song about that and I'd like to play it for you right now. I'm making lots of podcasts every single day. No, I'm not really okay. Well, it song needs some work, but here is our our next voicemail. <laughs> hey, Robert, this is Scott up in Bellingham, Washington, which is north of Seattle but south of Vancouver. This morning, pulling weeds and drawing strange stares from the people taking off to work as I was laughing my ass off listening to your Fourth of July show and um, everything that America that they didn't and. Um, 
I hate to be a nitpicker, but you know, I'm kind of like one of those sci-fi nerds, and it's in the, the genome there. But um, I think, I believe, um, that uh, the freeways there that you said that America gave you, um, actually Adolf Hitler gave that to us in World War II as he was uh, trying to take over the whole world there. And, um, but which the Japanese gave us, um, America perfected the freeway. And um, I think uh, we were the first country to uh, develop an actual society and culture around those freeways. So if I'm wrong, oh, well, screw me. But if I'm right, well, screw me anyway. Um, just wanted to share that because I, I lived in Germany and they're, they're proud of their, that, that's the one good thing they got out of World War II, I think, was, uh, was uh, so um, keep up the good work, show, show work. I got to go take a shower. I'm covered with slugs and bugs and things. Bye. I like how at the beginning of his voicemail he was already busting up like he just had the greatest story to tell there. But uh, I did not know Germany invented the highways um, at all. Um, I think, uh, you know what Germany really invented? What kind of highway? The Hershey Highway. That was their invention. Um, I've traveled down the Hershey Highway many times. Um, if you like corn, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good road to travel. <laughs> Um, here's another another voicemail for you folks hey Rob I usually call up in some kind of strange voice but today I'm using my <laughs> as opposed to this otherwise normal and great sounding voice you're using now normal standard voice to uh, say a good job on the uh, sticking at the counter for their child Chinese labor, labor stuff don't think about that stuff enough and I'm glad you brought it to the surface. Thanks, bye. Yeah, I was I was ranting against Chinese uh, manufacturing in my last podcast and urging everybody to stop. But you know what? I ran into um, Dan Goodsell, who uh, is uh, behind the ImaginaryWorld.com and uh, is behind the great character Mr. Toast, who my uh, children love. And you know what? He can get stuffed dolls made in China of his characters that he can sell for $3 each. And uh, he had this gorgeous full-color book printed, a buck fifty a copy. It easily cost ten bucks if it was made in America. He had those printed in Hong Kong. So uh, you know, I didn't consider the fact that you can't exploit Chinese labor to make stuff hella cheap and sell it to your fans for hella cheap. So you know, maybe it's not so bad. You know. Um, exploiting Chinese labor so that we can get uh, a discount. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, you know, just try. I'd like to pass on that savings to you, the Retro Crush listener. I, I've actually got a Retro Crush book I, I've been working on. I think you'll like it a lot. It's uh, got a lot of pages in it, and um, it's all new stuff. This is not just you know some of these guys that make websites. They're just copying shit from their web pages and pasting it. In, in, into their books, you know, I'm not going to cheat you folks like that. Hell no, I'm drawing pictures. Every page is all new stuff here, folks, and um, and I think you're going to like it as much as I enjoyed writing it. It's uh, it's Retro Crush, a spellbook of nostalgia. Uh, it's sort of the currently current working title, and uh, you know, I, I kind of wrote a song about it. I'd like to play it for you. Here it goes. I've got a Retro Crush book that's coming out later this year. 
it's going to be reasonably priced. Because I had Chinese kids print it. You can save on red ink because they use baby blood instead. Well, all's fair in love and war. That's what I say. Well, um, sorry, I have not been paying attention to my volume levels. I just realized that was just going off the charts there. Uh, frankly, too drunk to fix it right now. But I hope you, you don't mind. Um, lastly, I've got a very heart, heart-rending and, uh, breaking, uh, voicemail from, from Jackie. You may have heard her before on the show and, um, she's got a very charming voice and, and, and a sad tale to tell. Hi, Robert Berry. It's Jackie again. I've made it on your podcast a few times. And I'm just calling because I had my heart broken this week. And the person who showed me Retro Crush um, was the person that broke my heart. I just wanted you to know that I'm not going to stop listening to your podcast because of that. And you'd really be doing me a big favor if you could play something fun and sunny for me. Because I've been such a loyal viewer. And I really enjoy listening to you at work. Thank you. Bye. Jackie, I, I do not know how someone could have broken your heart. I can tell by your voice. You are a woman of fine distinction. Um, and you sound like you've got nice freckles. I don't know why, but there's something about your voice that I'm getting a freckle vibe. But, you know, can't believe uh, some guy would dump you, but but your request uh, for a song to cheer you up, I've got just the thing. In fact, since I care about you so much as a listener of my podcast, I've, I've recorded a special song just for you. Here's the thing, we started out friends, it was cool but it was all pretend, yeah, yeah. Since you've been gone You dedicated You took the time Wasn't long till I called you mine Yeah, yeah Since you've been gone And all you ever hear me say Is how I picture me with you That's all you'd ever hear me say since you've been gone I can't breathe for the first time I'm so moving on Yeah, yeah Thanks to you Now I get What I want Since you've been gone Jackie, you know It's time for you to Just forget about that zero and get with a hero. Well, uh, that's all for the voicemail for today, folks. You can always call the Retro Kush hotline anytime, night or day, 916-231-9480. And, um, I promise I'll get back a little more, more quickly than I've been. I promise that a lot. Sometimes I don't come through. So my promise is basically not worth a lot. But, uh, but, but, uh, I hope you like them. Also, check out our MySpace page. Nice to meet some some new retro crush uh, fans and listeners out there. By the way, I, I'd like to make a couple corrections. Uh, I mentioned uh, 
meeting Renee. It was Aaron that I met at the uh, San Diego Comic Convention. Sorry, Aaron. You're, you're a nice, nice, sweet Jewish girl, and uh, T-shirts in the mail. And uh, stupidly said, uh, Crow's partner in Mystery Science Theater was uh, called Robot. No, duh, it's Tom Servo. I knew better than that, folks. Yeah, I'm a little bit out of, out of this game. It's been, I, I, I've been uh, ten, ten, been making uh, rap tunes for ten, ten years ever since Honey's was wearing sassoons. That's how long I've been doing this, folks. And uh, I'm glad that you listen. I'm glad that you check out the site. Um, got a really cool feature that that we got coming up. It's the greatest movie music moments. You know, I'm talking about the a moment in a movie where uh, something musical happens and you really like it, but that's not a musical. Go to RetroCrush.com and you can check it out and email me what your favorite uh, music moment is and maybe it'll get included in our feature. And, uh, you know, uh, i got another podcast coming up in just a couple days, folks. We're going to bring our old friend Keith Lowell Jensen back and we're going to talk about uh, his comedy tour that he's got going on. It's called the Coexist Comedy Tour. And uh, in this comedy tour, it's a uh, it's a novel idea. You know, they have like the blue collar comedy tour, bunch of rednecks. Uh, they got the uh, kings of comedy, black guys, and the queens of comedy, black girls. But uh, the coexist comedy tour is what he's got going on, and it is um, get this: it's an atheist, a Jew, a Hindu, a Muslim. And a Christian, uh, all doing their thing on stage, and uh, you know they're playing in Sacramento this weekend coming up, and some other places too. Check out the front page of RetroCrush.com or go to CoexistComedy.com to find out more details about that. But uh, you know, I'm going to leave you today with uh, you know uh, a song I really am digging right now. Um, by the way, at the beginning of our podcast, uh, you got to hear uh, the Toy Dolls cover. Of the final countdown, first you know a little little clip of that. Uh, you can get that on iTunes. Very very fun, Europe song, good cover song done by the Toy Dolls. There, uh, you also heard uh, "Rag and Bone" by the White Stripes. I am digging uh, the hell out of their album "Icky Thump." Like it a lot, folks. I like it a lot. And uh, another song, "Guilty Pleasure of Mine." is uh Rihanna's umbrella. It's uh it's pretty catchy. You know, you got you got to admit that, that that it's good. And uh I'm going to play a little bit about it for you. But I do want to say uh Jay-Z stop rapping in front of songs. I know you produced the song, but I don't like hearing your yo yo this is Jay-Z Rihanna's in the house. Yeah, 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 got diamonds Rockefellers. You just fucking up the song. Just shut up and let these girls sing. You know, you messed up Beyonce's uh, songs and, and, and you're messing up this song too. Ten years from now, people are going to look back and go, what the fuck, Jay-Z? Just shut the hell up with your with your stupid rapping ways. Don't want to hear it. But uh, this song here, I'm, I'm really liking a lot. They're playing it a lot on the radio, but it's understandably so. It's pretty good. Shine, we'll shine together. I told you I'll be here forever. Said I'll always be a friend. Took a note, I'm a stick it out to the 
Bye, everybody. See you next time.